Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 91. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Lei Bei. The Icelandic and Chinese multi-instrumentalist and vocalist released her incredible debut EP earlier this year, entitled Typical of Me. In today's episode, we're speaking with Leibe about releasing music during the pandemic, finding her voice, and she tells us her favourite rom-coms. Here we go. Our guest today is a multi-instrumentalist and vocalist who is of both Icelandic and Chinese descent. Earlier this year, she released her debut EP entitled Typical of Me and recently followed it up with the single Let You Break My Heart Again. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Levy. Good morning. Good afternoon. Sorry, where you are? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's going into afternoon. It's actually, it's pronounced Levy. I thought I thought oh, I had Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I do apologize. Um, no worries. <laughs> we in Australia do have a habit of kind of making things more nasally and butchering, so I do apologize. <laughs> I never expect anyone to pronounce my name at first try, so <laughs> just just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> no, 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 I appreciate that. Uh, your name is Icelandic, correct? It is, yes. Icelandic heritage? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I was born and raised in Iceland. And then you're now uh, in New York. I'm in Los Angeles now. In Los Angeles now. Yeah. How do the two? I imagine the, the the music scenes in both cities are very very different. Definitely, um, the Icelandic scene is really really wonderful. It's it's very small. Um, what I love about it though is that there's kind of. There's a lot of genre mixing going on. I think because it is so small and there are not that many musicians, everyone's kind of collaborating. And you know, the people in like classical music are working with the pop musicians, and people in like pop are also working with like you know different. So the, like the lines between genres are quite blurred, which I which I love seeing as I'm, and I definitely feel that a little bit in my own music where I just want to kind of you know, try, try out a few different styles and mix it all together. Yeah, definitely. Um, whereas LA, of course, is like, you know, much bigger. It's, it's, the scene is based here. So it's like, you know, you have all these, um, all these producers and writers and musicians and it's, it's really, really great. There's so much opportunity here that, um, that I couldn't quite get in Iceland. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, did you study, you studied at the uh, Berkeley College of Music in LA? I did. In It's in Boston, actually. So that's kind it's of where I was. Yeah, in the past, um, I started in 2018 and I just graduated in the spring. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. The, the majority of my degree was online, though, because of COVID, but... Um, but an enjoyable experience either way. I imagine because studying online has its um, has its difficulties at the best of times, whereas a music degree, I can imagine, only really was just throwing up more roadblocks and, and more difficulties. Definitely, it was um, it w- it was strange. I will I will say that, but um, it was actually very it was a good thing for me because I kind of started, I started releasing music just during the pandemic and, or during lockdown really. And that was kind of like where the, where the bulk of my, it just like all, all of a sudden my focus started to shift more into my career away from school, although they are, you know, all music and um, having it be online allowed me to travel and, and work and spend time working on my career, um, which definitely paid off. So it was actually a good thing in the end for me. Almost like a silver lining. Yeah. Congratulations. I saw that you, as you said, you've been releasing music throughout the pandemic, but you um, you were able to finally play uh, your first show with Lake Street Dive last week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was it was crazy. It was incredible. I, I've been such a big fan of Lake Street Dive for such a long time. Like it's the, it's really the most surreal, like crazy full circle moment I've had. I, um, I auditioned for Berkeley with a Lake Street Dive song because I was such a big fan and I love their music so much. So when this opportunity came along, I couldn't, couldn't quite believe it. I don't think it really settled in. Well, I don't think it's settled in at all, actually, but it was, it was really, really surreal and, and, um, kind of for the first time seeing real faces and real people that I'd only previously seen through a screen before seeing them like call out songs or singing back my lyrics. That was just, um, I just, I just can't believe that, that I get to do that. <laughs> I imagine it is a very cool experience. It really is. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> um now the not the reason for touring alone, but uh as you said, you were releasing music throughout the pandemic. You released, I think, what is one of this year's most gorgeous EPs in Typical of Me. Thank Just you. Just a fantastic <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> the gorgeous EP where it, um, I think that there's this without you know without me fangirling too hard. Um, it's this gorgeous mix of like jazz and like classical or traditional kind of pop that I don't think we've heard in like a while. I'm so sorry. I was getting <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. Uh, where did your initial um, influence for your songwriting kind of come from? Well, well, thank you so much for saying that. Um, it really—that's like my main goal is to take 
My goodness, I'm so sorry. My main goal is to take, you know, traditional styles of music and kind of make it, spin it into something interesting, something new, and find that influence in new music through new storytelling. So really meaningful that you kind of like ca- caught on to that um, through listening. But um, I, I grew up in classical music. My, my mother's a classical violinist and my, and her parents, my grandparents were both professors of classical music in, in China, in Beijing, in the central conservatory there. So I kind of uh, grew, grew up in a very like classical music household and, um, I started playing piano when I was four and cello when I was eight, kind of very rigorous, like after school practice every day. And it just kind of like became like a part of me. Um, and then when I was a young teenager, my father is not, not a musician, but he really loves jazz. And he had a really wonderful collection of like Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald and like Chet Baker records. And he would play that a lot. Um, in the house growing up and I started like singing a bit and I kind of felt like I resonated more with the voices of like Ella Fitzgerald rather than the voices of the pop singers that were current. As much as I love that music, I kind of, I felt like jazz was like this middle ground between pop music, like new music and classical. Like it felt, I'd listen to these Elle Fitzgerald recordings with these, or Nat King Cole recordings with these grand string arrangements, um, orchestras. And, and it just like made sense to me. And it was just the most beautiful thing. And I really, I think that's the kind of music that, um, can tie a lot of generations together. Um, and it's very timeless in a way. And I think it's much more tied to a feeling of like warmth or nostalgia or, or some sort of fantasy. And I'm so in love with that idea. So I just wanted to bring that out in my music and my storytelling in some way. The that music that you have been releasing and that we've heard, no, it does make sense. <laughs> um it is, I, I feel like you've kind of like worded it perfectly in that it is almost like a little bit of a fantasy. Um, in Yeah, it, uh, just going back to what you were saying when you kind of found that you resonated more with those kind of jazz singers of the early century than the pop singers of today. Do you remember, um, obviously multi-instrumentalist, but do you remember finding your voice for the first time and being like, I can sing? Because you do have a very, um, very beautiful and distinctive voice that I think even when coming across your music was surprising to myself and a few other people that I played it for were kind of flawed when you started singing and it was like, oh my God, part of, part of my language, but holy shit, what a voice. Oh, thank you. Um, that means a lot. I, um, I think, well, there was one moment where, one of my earliest memories of singing is, um, or singing like, like this, not just like as a baby, but, um, was this uh, dream, dream, a little dream of me. Um, I recorded a cover of it for my father's 50th birthday. And I remember I just really enjoyed doing that. And, and it felt somehow like I kind of liked 
the idea of that kind of music. And I remember recording it and it was just, uh, it's funny now having gained so much more experience, like in a studio and, and recording myself. It's just so crazy that it kind of like started there and <laughs> like just singing dream a little dream of me over like a YouTube karaoke that we found and downloaded illegally. Um, but yeah, that was like one of my earliest memories of, of singing that kind of music. But yeah, I remember I just always wanted to sing that. And I felt kind of, I felt kind of out of place because I always had a very low voice for my age and I was like 13. And I kind of like a lot of people would tell me, Oh, like you, you sound like, you know, a 40 year old woman that's been twice divorced. And, um, <laughs> and of course it was like a big compliment for me, but also like my parents thought it was a great compliment. And like, in a way I understood it, but I remember feeling like, Oh God, like I'm 13. Like I'm, I'm young. Like I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a, Oh, an old woman that smokes too much, you know? So that was like kind of an insecurity of mine for a while. And it took me a long time to really kind of like settle into my sound and grow into my body. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm a big, big advocate for low voices. I know I get a lot of messages from like young girls who are like, yeah, my, my low, my voice is similar to yours. And I've always been so embarrassed to sing or kind of like, you know, scared to use it. And, um, so I say, I say justice for altos. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I can very much appreciate that. I think that it would be, I can only imagine that it would be very like a double-edged sword, almost having that compliment as a young woman being told, you know, it's a beautiful singing voice. You sound like, yeah, a divorcee of 40. So um, yes, but again, beautiful voice and as you said justice for autos i do agree with that i can very much i'll get behind that uh, that movement <laughs> the music that you've been releasing as you said it's been coming out throughout the pandemic and it is um it's it does have elements of pop but it's not like anything like i guess top 40 or what you what you'd call top 40 at the moment it, but it's definitely resonated people have kind of like flocked to your music I think Billie Eilish and Willow Smith are supporters of yourself um what was the reaction like or what was the experience for you when you started releasing music and seeing you know this swell of uh admiration and kind of and people getting on board it was uh it was really crazy and it happened kind of it happened so naturally that I almost didn't realize it, I think. But, um, since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I, uh, this first song that I released, it was, it was street by street. And I, it was like one of the very first songs I'd written and I recorded it with my friend, my college friend, um, who produced it, who just lived across my hall. And, um, so it was like, kind of, I was not expecting anything to come of it at all. It was kind of like a fun project for myself. And, um, so it was really, really incredible to see the reaction that came from it. And it was, um, I didn't start really writing music until like the fall of 2019, like right before I released that. And, um, I think I didn't, I almost didn't realize the, the way that it could impact other people or other people could resonate. And, um, and I, that's been one of the most like wonderful realizations I've come to since releasing music is that because I kind of, I wrote the song, the first song that I wrote street by street, it's about like taking back a city after, after somebody ruins it for you, after a guy ruins it for you. And, um, <laughs> and I was really hurting at that time when I wrote it. Cause I didn't want to be in Boston because some guy had like, you know, tainted it for me. I just felt upset there. And, and I always wanted to leave. I remember I was always going to New York and, um, and so I wrote this song as a way to kind of like feel better about it or heal or put into words somehow, almost like a journal. It was the song came out of a journal entry. And, um, and then when I heard other people say that it helped them, that in turn helped me too, because I kind of realized, um, I kind of realized that I wasn't crazy. Other people felt this way too. And then we can all like, kind of like, heal together. So now that's my like new favorite thing about songwriting is like when I'm feeling something, when I'm feeling upset about something or, or I miss someone, I, I write a song about it and then I share it and then other people, and then hopefully it helps other people, but also seeing that other people resonate helps me. So it's just, it's, it's a true blessing and it's, it's been incredible to see people relate. I also think the way I'm obviously I'm quite an old soul and very old fashioned. I'm a, I'm a dreamer and a hopeless romantic and, and all of that. And I, it's incredibly apparent through my music. And, um, I think there's a lot of people out there like me and, and I think we all kind of like group together and, and, you know, find that we have that in common. And so I like to, I like to say, I write, I write, music for dreamers <laughs> <laughs> that's i can i i like that i think it's very cool I, um, and timeless concept which is what which is um sorry to cut into you but um 
that's a very timeless concept to me being a dreamer or a you know love you can't put like an arrow on it or whatever that's just yeah <laughs> I 100% agree with that I think that it's um I love the like the I the idea of the dreamer, the hopeless romantic, you know, like all those kind of things. I think they're fantastic. Um, I did kind of get that impression in, in doing research for today. You were a bit of, bit of an old soul. Um, I think a bit of a lover of rom-coms, if I'm correct. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, do you... I wrote, I wrote a song about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do you have a favourite uh, rom-com? I, I do, yeah. Um, uh, it's called You've Got Mail. It's a Nora Ephron. Uh, it's based in based in New York. It's about uh, it's Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, of course. And Meg <laughs> Ryan owns like a little children's bookstore that's being squashed by this giant figure. Um, it's it's just the loveliest loveliest movie that and and then also when harry met sally i just think the music in it is so good so that's what i was gonna guess <laughs> i was gonna say that when harry met sally only just yeah the soundtrack um i feel like definitely kind of crosses over with your music in a way almost <laughs> i've definitely been influenced by it i think i think rom-coms without a jazz song or two or or um they're doing themselves a disservice. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, the most recent single, so the EP came out earlier this year, but you have released some more music since then. Uh, we'd let you break my heart again uh, with the Philharmonia Orchestra from London. How did that kind of come about? Oh my God. That's like, that was the craziest thing and my biggest dream. So, um, of course I grew, I grew up in a very classical world, played in, um, was backstage at the symphony every night and played in orchestra growing up and traveled to different cities to see different, um, orchestras play. So, um, when the artistic director of the Philharmonia reached out saying that he, liked my music and wanted to see if we could do something. I truly was so shocked and so honored at the same time. I, yeah, I can't believe it. I still can't quite believe it. It was, um, when, when I heard they wanted to do a song, I, I knew immediately that let you break my heart again was the one I wanted to do because I had just always, I had so many like string lines in mind and whatnot. And, that I just knew would fit very well. Of course, it's very dreamy, very, you know, ethereal <laughs> in that way. And, um, yeah, I, of course the Philharmonia is just one of the best orchestras in the world and truly so honored that they would want to collaborate with me. And I, for, for myself, like I said, my, my, my ultimate goal is to take these styles of music such as jazz and classical that are um, not, they're not, not cool, but they're like necessarily not known very much to young people. Or I think young people are often scared, scared of um, scared of approaching them. You know, they're kind of gatekept um, 
reserved for a certain crowd, a certain part of society. And I hate that because to me, it's been music that's been, it's just music. I think all music is just music, but I just want to introduce these old styles of music to a younger audience because I think a lot of like Gen Z, if you, if you could call them that, have an appreciation for this music and they don't even know it. You know, they just tie it to like, you know, a sense of some sort of feeling. Oh, like this sounds like something um, that they would hear at, you know, their grandparents' house or, or something in an old film or a Disney film or something. And, and that's something that I think a, a wider group of people can resonate with rather than just like classical or jazz. So the fact that I could collaborate with um, an orchestra that plays primarily classical is very meaningful to me because that kind of, that gives me an opportunity to then introduce my audience to that orchestra and classical music. So like if anybody would, for example, you know, listen to that song and then uh, to my song and then you know, click on the Philharmonia on Spotify or whatnot and, and listen to some, uh, some of their other recordings and maybe find a classical recording that they love. Or if I, or if it even influences them to purchase a ticket to go to a, a live concert, then I'll have done my job. And that, that's my dream. Does that tie into the BBC, the BBC show that you had happy harmonies? Oh, Cause I imagine that's also another, yeah. That was also another shocking, but very, very, um, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so honored that I got to do that and such an enjoyable experience. Um, but that was, yeah, it was a, a radio show that I did for BBC sounds and BBC three, which is like primarily classical and like world music. Um, it gave me an opportunity just in the most direct way to curate classical jazz and pop songs and kind of all bundle it into one and and it was so enjoyable to see it all come together because it all did make sense together it would be you know a, a hymn a hymn and then after that there'd be a, a pop song with like some vocal harmonies that connected to that and it made sense which made me so happy because in the end it's just good music so yeah no, I, I'm very I feel like you've covered like quite a lot of ground as an artist in a very <laughs> short amount of time which is very impressive thank you that means a lot <laughs> I've had I've had a lot of time on my hands is the thing due to due to uh, due to the global disaster yeah that's very fair um with having done all these things and having a bit of uh, time on your hands, can we expect a full album or, a, or an LP at some point? Um, yes, I've been, I've been, like I, like I said, I just moved to LA this summer. So I've been, it's been so exciting working with other artists and collaborating with them and seeing how their creative processes are and, and working with writers and producers to kind of, push my artistic boundaries a bit while of course staying very true to myself always. But, um, I think that will definitely result in some new music and new fun projects and, um, some things that I'm very, very excited to share with, with the world. <laughs> That's very exciting. I know that there's a lot of people who are, um, excited to see what I guess kind of comes next and what's happening. 
um, you do have some shows in the US and in Iceland coming up at the end of the year. Uh, how, how are you feeling about those? Are we excited to get back on the road? I am so beyond excited. I don't even think I have words for it. <laughs> I, I have found that I am not the best at staying put in a city. Um, I tend to want to leave after like a good two months, which I'm like already finding right now, as much as I love LA, I'm like, I think also after that show last week in, um, in Salt Lake city, I'm just so excited to perform again and just like kind of hit the road and go to different cities and see my fans in person. I'm just really excited about that. And performing live is like my favorite thing ever. I think, I really, I really like to focus on live performance because I think that's the most fun way to connect with my audience. And, um, yeah, I just think I just love the, the vibe of a live show. It's just my favorite thing. And I'm excited to, I'm excited to go to Iceland. I haven't been home for a while and, um, I'm going to be playing my first jazz festival in London. Um, so I'm very excited for that. That is very exciting. Do you, um, cause while there are like little bits that kind of jump across, if you're looking at like a Venn diagram of it, do you find it, um, exciting that you're able to kind of play like these pop shows like, um, Lake Street Dive, and then you can go to like a jazz festival and you can, you're able to kind of cover a lot of ground with, um, a lot of different genres. Yeah. Um, it makes me very excited and very happy that my music at least can exist in these two different worlds. And, and, um, and I think that's what not, this sounds very self-complimentary, but I think that's what music needs. You know, if, if every style of music gets so like compartmentalized in their own world, I think they, they're at risk of slowly like, you know, dying out or becoming like, so like, you know, in their own world. And I think the way that music continues to grow and thrive and change is with experimenting in different worlds and like allowing influences to come in from different places. So to be able to do a song that in the end is a pop song with a a classical symphony orchestra or do a performance at a jazz festival and then open up for a a pop, a pop, um, act being able to play the same music in all those settings is, is very meaningful to me and exciting. I can a hundred percent understand that. I think that there's a certain, um, there's like a certain power in versatility, which I think that, um, you've definitely well, been able to, to utilize and master. <laughs> Thank you. Leve, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate it. And um, thank you for being on the podcast. Congratulations again on the EP. And we um, we look forward to seeing what you do next and, and touring Australia at some point, possibly. Oh, my goodness. I would love to. I would love to go to Australia. <laughs> I want to tour. But I do, I do really want I have some friends. It's really wonderful. So... I would love to.
And that's our show. A massive thank you to Leve for her time. Both Typical of Me and Let You Break My Heart Again are out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream her music. We also want to give a huge shout out to Zoe at Grandstand Media HQ for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning, with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.